So let us pray. Lord, may our human words and thoughts be inspired by your written word and teaching to us and always point us to the living word, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, once again, some nice, easy, reassuring readings, yes? <laughs> Afraid not, and I guess we shouldn't have been surprised in the amazing letter to the Hebrews in particular, which uh, earlier on in chapter 4 says, um, yes, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints and marrow, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Yes, so I think the author of the, of the letter to the Hebrews was trying to assure us that um, God's word to us isn't always supposed to be pleasant and easy to take in, but it is to challenge us and to enlighten us and to heal us. And sometimes that may be a bit painful for us, but it is good for us in the longer term. And I think what Jesus did for that poor crippled woman in that synagogue is another example of this. That some of them didn't really want to understand God's love, even through the law, and interpreted it their way. But the embodied love of God spoke differently to them. And this woman was set free and Actually, I hope others who saw and heard were also set free from other things at the time. And so the word that God gives us, written and living in Christ, is always there. Often, and it's interesting using the image of Hebrews to shake us a bit, but I hope that we do not end up like one of those James Bond martinis, that we are shaken but not stirred. Because God's will for us is to be stirred up for him, filled with his love to share with others. And sometimes, yes, we need a bit of shaking in order to get us to change. And that passage from Hebrews today, later on in it, you can hear the writer's concern that God has reached out to us in new and loving ways, and yet there's a bit of concern that we don't necessarily always want to listen. And the writer says, see to it that you don't refuse the one who speaks to you. Those who didn't did so before fell into difficulty, so let us not turn away. And at that time, his voice did shake the earth, but now he's promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens, everything. Therefore, since we are receiving the kingdom, the author to the letter of the letter of the Hebrews, he's saying, if we receive the kingdom, actually, in many respects, we cannot be shaken away from God. So let us be thankful and worship God 
with reverence and awe. For, and then a few light words at the end, for God is our consuming fire. Mm, oh, nice to hear as well. <laughs> um, we need to be challenged, but in a hopeful and loving way. And that's what the big impact, I think, of this passage in Hebrews is from. Now, the writer uses these images of mountains, and they're often used in Scripture, understandably. I mean, we see examples of things that happened on mountains, incredible things. We are reminded of the gift of the law, but also some of the problematic aspects of that moment in the people of God's history. But also this new mountain, Jesus calling us to be with him. Mount Zion, it was the promise, the hope. And so Hebrews is a bit of a, a tale of two mountains. And I saw a few mountains. Maybe we can go on to the next slide, if possible. Um, yes. Oh, wait a minute. I think we skipped one. Um, oh, is there... Oh, exactly. I don't know the order. Anyway, okay, well, fair enough. We'll go on to this. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, it's just all that. Well, yeah. Huh, let's see. Can we go one further just in case? Uh, I don't know whether the ones I... Yeah, they were... Yeah, I guess... Sorry. Well, we can go back to the early one then. <laughs> Apologies. Um, but, uh, yeah, there were some mountains that we had seen this summer ourselves um, and different mountains. Um, we had seen the Sierra Nevadas um, when we got away on our holiday. That's on the sort of California, almost Nevada border. And they were amazing and awesome, but quite dry. And of course, we actually had to leave at a certain point because we, one of the national parks was threatened by a wildfire. So when I read that passage from Hebrews today, I'm also struck by <laughs> these and wonder what God is saying to us about the dryness and the fire that we face in many parts of the world. But we also went to the East Coast to see my family, and there it was almost, you know, I was amazed. Look at all the vegetation on those mountains. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite inviting. I mean, I'm awed by the incredible mountains in the West and how high they are and dry. But the, the Eastern ones, they, they had shade. <laughs> And they were kind of comfortable, and you could wander, and there was lots of life in them. And those comparisons made me realize, you know, all mountains are different. And the two mountains that are referred to in Hebrews today, one, of course, is a reference to Mount Sinai. And the way the law of God was given to Moses, and it was interesting because... It had to be done through Moses because even Moses himself felt intimidated and unworthy to receive it, but he was able to and gifted to by God because, frankly, the rest of the people weren't ready. They were struggling with this issue of, yes, we want to follow God, but we're not, you know, we're kind of still at a distance from him. And so only a few people could actually come more into God's presence in this part of our history. And so it was a bit intimidating, even for Moses. As you can see at the top, he's looking at that mountain, not sure he wants to climb it, but he feels compelled. Um, and then, of course, you see the people watching it from a distance when the Lord speaks to Moses. 
and shares the law, which he does bring down finally to the people. But what the passage from Hebrews is, it does a big comparison between this understanding and the fact that the people at that time had to feel like they keep their distance from God. It was safer. If they got too close, then they might be hurt or killed. They were worried. They lived in fear, a lot of them. And if we go on to the next slide, please. Um, this actually is currently today Mount Zion in Jerusalem. I've not been there. Perhaps some of you have. It's on my bucket list. But there's actually a church on it. But through biblical history, Zion was always that other mountain of hope where we would live fully in the presence of God and we would worship together. And it was always a sign of something to look forward to. And so this is the distinction that our writer in Hebrews makes. And so it's, yes, it's not about inconsistency. And one commentator said, you know, it's not just about contrast because the covenant that God made, the promise that he gave at the beginning is still valid. It's just when he reached out to humanity through his son, it was new and welcoming. And it was an invitation no longer to keep God at a great distance, but to be joyful in God's presence that we can approach and be in an intimate, friendly relationship with God. And for many, this was quite stunning. In a sad sort of way, a lot of people wanted to, oh, I'd still like to keep God at distance. I don't necessarily know if I want him to be in my life. And the letter to the Hebrews, the author is trying to persuade people, come beyond this. Respond to the call that Christ makes to us to be his friends, to be part of his family with God. Come to the new mountain, not dismissing the work of the old one, but let us come and live together on the new mountain of hope. And I think what's beautiful about this is a great distinction that Jesus brings, I hope, in his response to the people around him is that our relationship with God is about faith and not primarily about fear. We do need to honor and respect our creator. He's done amazing things. He's created these incredibly huge mountains, which I hope still get us thinking and pointing us upwards in our spiritual sense, there's something beyond us who's capable of creating all this. And yes, we actually do need to do a better job taking care of that creation. But we're not to live in fear. Faith and fear are not exactly best friends. <laughs> and someone once observed, if you live in fear of the future, because of what might have happened in the past, you often lose what you have in the present. And so Jesus is calling us to this new place and this new mountain where maybe people didn't think it was possible before, but through him, we can actually join together with him and each other in his presence to worship him and also to enjoy his forgiveness and healing. We can live and this is healthier. This is the relationship that we're being called into. 
And the author of the letter to the Hebrews says, please folks, don't ignore this. <laughs> please take it seriously. Welcome the invitation and respond and come to the feast. And so it's wonderful. And Jesus in our gospel reading, well, he's speaking out in this way too at that moment as he did throughout his mission and ministry. He's inviting people in close company with God. And that woman who has been crippled for so long has had an unhealthy life, sadly. And people are so irritated that Jesus is wanting to help her on that special day of the week, as if. I mean, if you look closely at the laws of the Old Testament, it wasn't unlawful to help someone on the Sabbath. There were some who disputed about, okay, healing, well, you can't use certain forms of medicine on that day, but helping people, of course. And, and Jesus said, well, you're, you're happier to help your livestock than this human? How's this possible? And so, in what he does and what he says, he frees this woman from the dismissal and how she's been ignored for so long, for nearly two decades. But he's also speaking freedom to the people around her to say, look folks, <laughs> you know, you need to quit attempting to use the law of the Lord as a form of control or abuse. <laughs> Do not live in fear of what is truly possible with God but actually live it. So he liberates her, and that frightens some people because some of these other people, they kind of like to use the law in their way, not necessarily to God's purposes. And Jesus challenging this shakes them up. And he wasn't afraid to. He was mostly nice, but we know in some readings uh, in gospel, we think, ooh, boy, that was pretty sharp what he just said. I mean, he calls these people hypocrites. Okay, these are false judges, but yes, they are actually manipulating the law of God in a way that is not godly. And so he challenges them on that. And yes, we know too that he challenged a lot of people about their use of money and stuff like that. And Okay, he didn't have his disciples sort of intimidate them or anything, but he wasn't afraid to turn over a few tables if necessary. So he was able to speak up because he felt he had to, to bring God's love, the true law of God, closer to the people than they wanted it. And so he changes their understanding, I hope, and shakes them up. And I hope, actually, that we will all accept this need to be occasionally shaken and also stirred. I mean, occasionally we need to shake out, you know, our rugs and carpets and towels to keep them a bit cleaner so that they're more useful. And occasionally we need that ourselves. But Jesus didn't want to shake us to intimidate us. He wanted to shake us to stir us up with his love and God's love so that we would share that. And I love one comment from a famous um, Baptist botanist, William Carey, who said, God's work 
done in God's way will never lack God's resources. If there is a church that God calls, the people in it will be gifted and able through God to help each other and help others. And so God is calling us to this new place, this new mountain, to share his love. And yes, some parts of us will be shaken, but our faith, if we don't live in fear, cannot be. And that hopefully we will be stirred to serve so that people, instead of fear, will have love, hope, and joy in the Lord, which is what God wants for us. Amen.